Welcome to The Meaning Podcast, an exploration of how spiritual significance emerges from the life and work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host, Chris Bonhoff. Today we talk with Plymouth's lead minister, Dwayne Davis. The topic for our first podcast episode in conversation with a member of Plymouth's clergy team was an appropriate one. How Dwayne thinks about the making of meaning. From his Pentecostal faith origins to the relationship between meaning and happiness, Dwayne talks about how he began to make meaning of meaning on his own journey. I use the word meaning and meaning making a lot, and that is intentional and it's deliberate because of a journey uh, that of a journey that I took, and it, and it is a frame for how I look not just at, at faith but my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took me a while to get there. <laughs> mm. How did that happen? <laughs> Early on in my life, people would wonder if I was a sad person. Even my own husband would say. There's a sadness about you. And I began to understand, like, what was going on is that I think I took seriously when people said, be happy. And that, this idea to be happy didn't make sense to me if there is such a thing as unhappy. How do you force someone to be happy? I grew up in a Pentecostal tradition, and the talk the talk of salvation, the talk of being saved, the, the talk of, of a life in Christ and all of that, something was missing from that discussion. Now, it would be over time I would discover it was as if you were placing too much emphasis on the fleeting moment of happiness, whatever that was. But then what I discovered was those moments when I was happy or I felt the experience was a happy experience, I thought more about it in terms of what did it mean to me. It all came together to start really help me hone in on something about what is meaningful. Now, what really brought it all together, of course, was reading in college Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And I think what resonated me with what resonated with me about that was that everything in life, every experience, every person you meet, is a moment uh, that can be packed with meaning. Mm-hmm. And I, without church, without a community, that became the way uh, I started to move in the world. Um, and the way it, co- it would show up was, you know, we would talk with friends and someone would say, someone would say, well, what did you all do Friday night? And all of my friends would say, oh, we, we just hung out. We did nothing. We just hung out in the room. And I would like, if, uh, that was meaningful to me. The conversation. <laughs> yeah. That, the, to say just <laughs> yeah, in we, front of that. Yeah, yeah. We were just hanging out. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. That, everything we talked about, even the jokes, the silliness. Yeah. All of that was important to me mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was meaningful. And I'm, I'm, I have been changed by it in some way. Yeah. And I've kept that all my life. When I began to look about, look at meaning making in this new way where experiences people, I could go back and think about the things that I did in my church experience 
and hold them as meaningful things to me. Interesting. After you had, after I, yeah, after I left, because I, remember, I was leaving church and said it, it, it's not useful to me. Yeah. It was only when I began to rethink this idea of what is meaningful and, and how it lasts beyond the moment of happiness, or it trans the notion of transcends the notion of what is happiness or unhappy at a given moment. Not only am I more more forgiving and mm-hmm. understanding of the people I experienced and I encountered. But when I look back on those experiences, they very much are the ways that I was creating a meaningful life. And so now I can remember things that I experienced, both good and bad, and hold a little grace for it, hold a grace for you know, parents that I had originally thought didn't quite understand me. That may be true, right. but at the same time, there were some meaningful encounters with my parents that now I can think of fondly. Well, right. And it's it's also interesting to me to think about how uh, an experience, the meaning associated with an experience mm-hmm. can change over can time. Change. That's a, yes. It can deepen. Yes. It can, it can completely change, <laughs> can completely change. depending on... Right. Uh, yeah, the the relationships that you are in yeah. at a given moment, in this, uh, like where you, the spaces that you occupy, right? All yeah. of these things uh, kind of factor into the meaning that that gets built. Right, right, and 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 you said something very important that it 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 changes. That's when I came back to church, and when now I spend so much time reading the Bible, that also really begins to operate in this way. It, it, a fundamentalist or a legalistic reading of anything, for me, robs it of meaning. Right. And, and, you know, of course, there were others who had, I had read earlier, like John Dominic Crossan and Marcus Borg, who talked about, uh, you know, taking scripture seriously, not literally. And what they right. meant by taking it seriously is, what did it mean? Not just what does it mean for me? But can we sort of discern what it meant for the people who uh, experienced it and then wrote it this way or testified about it this way? Yeah. And in that way of reading the Bible, then you are coming into relationship with these characters in the Bible. Yes. which is fascinating to think about. And making meaning again. Absolutely, right. Making, fortify, you know, really, uh, really sort of tapping into. uh, this idea that whatever I'm, whether this moment is a horrible moment, a bad moment, a good moment, a happy moment, the meaning doesn't get encapsulated in that judgment of the event or the experience or the person right then and there. Right. You go. I think about when they say Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mm. Mary was going into that exercise of meaning making. Right. Because what was encaptured in the moment that it happened can't just sit there and you can't recall it because you're not there. You can't recall what you felt back then or you can, but it won't last. That was a fleeting thing. But to ponder is to say, let me look back and in, in, in just sort of indulge all of the senses of that thing. And where does it stay now? Thank you.
is Six Degrees of Separation. <laughs> I don't know if you know the play, but it, in this play, this very wealthy couple uh, encounter a con artist who told them that he was the son of Sidney Portier. And mayhem ensues. They ha- <laughs> it, it just, it, it, all kinds of things occur. But there's a wonderful line uh, that Louisa, Fla- uh, Louisa Kittrich says, at the, I think at the, toward the close of the play, she said, I don't want this to just be an anecdote. This experience just be an anecdote that I tell at parties. I had an experience. Mm-hmm. And what she was doing was there was something about the experience that needed to, to live and be explored and be pondered and... and there was something happened. It was meaningful, and to to just discount it as a as an anecdote that she tells to her friends at a party didn't seem sufficient right. for her. Does what happened or the person I met become this thing that just I let go as having no meaning? Yeah, uh, I that that scares me now. I think about all of those young people. Uh, that I have encountered in Black Lives Matter and and how the experience of protest and organizing and building community becomes a meaningful uh, thing in there. I mean, I mean, really, I cannot emphasize how much meaning is 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 packed in there. And so what that what that tells me then, is that we need to figure out how to let this experience of our beloved community be an opportunity for people to um, to, to to engage that kind of meaning making. Uh, however, it shows up. That's scary because we want to control how it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sure so that's do. scary. But <laughs> but but uh, you, if you listen to some people talk about their experiences there. Uh, it sounds like a testimony that you would have heard in a in a church context, and it's it, it's nothing to be afraid of, but it's actually someone telling you like I had an experience, and I'm not going to slough it off as a a one off or an anecdote because I have been changed by it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's building community. Yes. Right. I mean, it's it's you you don't you don't protest <laughs> by yourself. Right. That's right. There there is a power and a meaning that comes from the assembly of voices and perspectives Absolutely. all coming together. Right. Right. Uh, and I and I think about that and the importance of of that and I mean how how wonderful a setting. Um, church is yes. for just coming into contact with people with different perspectives from mm-hmm. your own while simultaneously working towards similar purposes. I, what I say about the church too, we are the only institution in the world that you know on a particular day at a certain, in usually morning, <laughs> Right, <laughs> a group of people are go- are going to be very intentional about showing up, and through ritual and reading and song and prayer, are engaging in something that gives people permission 
to experience it and make it a part of what your life is going to be. Mm. Yeah. It, it is different in that the expectation is that you are internalizing something and you are uh-huh. you're interacting with it in a different way. Right. And so what I wouldn't want to do is forestall the potential to experience it because someone doesn't have a certain type of creed. And so I think sometimes by our language and by the way we gather, we do forestall that. People say, I don't think that's a place I'm comfortable going. And the beauty of of this church's context, especially if you can get someone to come across the threshold, is that it is is polyvalent and multisensory. You can... There's all kinds of conversations taking place, and you can – I'll put it from my – I can get into those conversations. I can – I can – I feel a freedom in terms of talking about what is meaningful to me. Um, and so even in this conversation, I can tell you, like, you know, that a play like Six Degrees of Separation is a meaningful experience for me. Uh, the way people read poetry here, uh, the different, you know, ways people, the music that they listened to. And to me, that's the power of a community like that, that we get to, we get to, we get to give people experience. But we also, uh, we, people are free to experience it the way they want to. I use the phrase a lot, public church, and people get scared of that when I say that, or they, 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 they infuse it with more ideology and politics than it is intended to have. Uh, but it, it, it touches on this thing about what is meaningful or how do you witness to the world. And so, again, even a worship service, we are telling the world something. Right. Mm-hmm. If, someone, if someone comes to a worship service, uh, we're saying something. Now, the question is, do we know what we're saying and do we agree that we're saying it? <laughs> <laughs> right. So that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, Can we claim this meaning? Yeah, yeah. Can, we, Can claim we claim this, this meaning? Plymouth meaning? Right. So to the extent that we don't engage that question, we do lead with some values. Uh, this is where the, 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 the language that we use, the rituals that we perform. Uh, and why we do have to talk about the songs that we sing and what we proclaim. All of these things are the, the stuff of meaning making. What I would want people to have as a, as a part of the way they engage these things is to go back to what I said about what I learned from Borg and Crossan. How do I take what is happening here seriously? How do I infuse this with legs that go beyond the moment that it happened. And so to a certain extent, that's what we do. You know, when the clergy sit around and we talk about uh, themes and we talk about what we're going to do in the season of Lent, that's what we're doing. We are, we are taking the experience seriously, you know, largely um, without regard to what we consider personally or whatever, all of that fits into it. But that's a communal conversation in some way. But when I say public church, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what are we, are we taking seriously this idea that we are a church in 
this world, in this neighborhood, in this community. And what are we saying? Are we, are, what do we mean? What do we mean when we say you are our neighbor? What do we mean when we say you are welcome? Uh, what do we mean? That's a part of that effort at meaning making. And again, where we have failed is because some people have discerned that we're not interested. Absolutely. Well, and <laughs> right. And I mean, I, I guess as you were saying all of that, I was thinking about uh, like the difference between coming in on Sunday morning and hearing some voices mm -hmm. and participating in a ritual right. and bringing that into your being so that yes. versus then talking about that and digesting it as a a community, community. Yes. you know, talking about those those messages, mm -hmm. um, having have like taking action where you are living out those messages yes. and not just uh, intellectualizing, right? And the kind of the bouncing back and forth that happens when you are in relationship with other people, mm -hmm. the meaning can can deepen because of the presence of multiple perspectives. Yes, yes. And like that that is the difference between like an active faith. Right. 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 And just something that you are uh, consuming. Consuming. Oh, I love that word. Consuming. Exactly. And by the way, there are so many identities imposed upon us. And consumer is a big one. Quite naturally, that's how we interact with the world and interact with each other. We, we are consumers. And, and, and so then even without knowing it, m things that could be meaningful um, become transactional. Right. Um, and, and, and that is the thing that frightens me most. Mm. I don't want to, I don't want to be transactional. In essence, you've just reinforced what the world said we are. In some ways. But also, it is also why I love, I love Jesus. There is nothing uh, transactional about his engagement. Think about the disciples. Think, and we're talking about meaning. Think about what it meant. And then think about what it meant to the early church. Think about it. It was so meaningful. So meaningful that a whole world of meaning was not only nurtured and held, we sit as the, the progeny of it these many years later. Talk about making meaning. I don't want to put you on the spot and ask you what the meaning of Plymouth is. But at the same time, I, you know, you you are in a privileged place where you get to be in conversation with so many people mm -hmm. in the church and outside of the church. Yeah. And so I I guess my question is is not what the meaning is right. because I don't want to encapsulate anything. Right. But I, I'm curious whether you see things emerging in this in this moment that that point towards ah. some some communal meaning. I will answer your question by saying here's the invitation. 
let us engage Plymouth, not because of its tradition, uh, not because of its history, not because of the image we think that we project. Let our experience of Plymouth happen with those as a part of the, of the experience while opening ourselves up to what is unfolding. That means then some things that I've been saying this whole time. When someone comes through this door or when the question gets raised that takes us outside of what is comfortable and familiar, the invitation is to experience it. I think it was William Sloan Coffin who said that a heart filled with fear will lead you to pursue security. But a heart filled with love will open you. And so that's what I want Plymouth to do. I, this is a scary time because we're under change. We've gone through a pandemic. Uh, there are questions about what church is. That, that's a parental question that people are asking. But if, if, we are, if we fear it, then we will find ways to try to batten down the hatches and secure ourselves. And you can't experience anything new if you're trying to secure yourself. I know, I know that's what we want. But I believe, I believe this with any other institution, I believe this with this nation too, that I, I also believe that is why if you feel, if, you, if it looks like we've become unmoored um, in, in, in our polarization and in, our, and, and in racism and, and, and xenophobia and the things that are happening, I think that is because people are trying to secure something that they think they've lost. Mm. They're afraid. Yeah. So you can't experience the world if you're afraid of. You can't experience new things if you're afraid and if you're trying to secure yourself. This goes back to this idea of meaning, Viktor Frankl's notion, that meaning is found in the people and places and experiences, even the worst ones. But it requires us to see it that way, to get beyond the fleeting notion of either fear or happiness or unhappiness in the moment and say, what does this mean? If we do that, if we do that, if we do that, and in some ways I think Plymouth has done that with me. I'm very different. <laughs> I know it. I know I'm different and I'm probably scary to some people. Uh, but I, I, was, uh, I was with... Um, some old members of mine uh, from my previous church uh, who took us ice fishing. And we were sitting in the fish house. And of course they asked, how is this Plymouth? How, you know? And my response to them was, again, apropos of this, this whole notion of meaning, is that um, it is a wonderful experience. Uh, there are new things emerging within me. Uh, there are new things emerging, new thoughts, new explorations. You know, I, I feel brave in, in a way that I didn't think I was. And that isn't, that isn't happening in isolation. That is because I'm experiencing uh, this community, really experiencing it. And it is, it means something. 
And I'm asking myself over and over, what does this mean? What do I have to offer? What, what, is, what is on offer? Who am I here? What is my voice? Where is my voice? Is my voice? Uh, and these are, these are new questions for new context. And it's, it, it, like I said, it's risky and it's fun and it's interesting and it's meaningful. Dwayne offers us an invitation to open ourselves to what is unfolding in this moment and to orient ourselves to meaning and not to fleeting states of happiness or comfort. A couple of questions to leave you with. What are the events, memories, and experiences that you, like Mary, are pondering in your heart? And what experiences have you had whose meaning has changed with time? Thanks to Jimmy Hulse for our theme, to Max Brunel for the beeps and boops, and to Cody Bordeaux for audio engineering. And thank you for including this community on your path. What did you take from what you heard today? Email us your thoughts at meaning at Plymouth.org. Meaning is a production of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. Peace.